Deluxe Pac-Man and Drop Zone. It's Public Domainia, brother, on Amigos, episode 348. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron, brother. And today, Aaron, brother... We're going to be talking about some public domain games. Oh, man. Pac-Man Deluxe yeah. and Drop Zone. Oh, man. Now, I almost, you know, when I was doing my opening baloney, I was almost like, it's time to go back to the arcade. But, you know, Drop Zone, not an arcade nope. game. No, nope. wouldn't work. Can you think of any games that you've played that you just can't believe were not arcade games that were only on the console? Well... Gosh, you sprung that on me. Do you have anything that comes to mind instantly? Popeye Wrestling. No. Pfft, wrong. That was horrible. Horrible game. Uh, games that would have been at home in the arcade. Oh, God, we played so many games. It's hard for me to narrow one down. You don't, got, you don't have anything, do you? You asked the question without an answer. Sure. I wanted to know your thoughts. Oh, so I, I don't could... have any. i got to think about it. What do you mm. got? See, now you're thinking. Yeah. You were hoping I'd cover you, but I got nothing. I figured that you'd have at least something. Well, I can tell you this. Parasol Stars is a great game that would be right oh, at home God. in the arcade. They just covered that on Pixel Gaiden this week. It's a game I'm not that fond of. I can't believe that it did not appear in the arcade. It's so good. Eh, those games just don't do it for me. I know, you don't like Bubble Bobble or any of that stuff. You know, it but it you do. can say, even as not a fan of those games, you could put Parasol Stars in an arcade cabinet beside Bubble Bobble and it would not be out of place. Oh, no. Yeah, it could have easily, it would have fit right into the series. Yeah. In fact, after you know, me and the Brent just played Burger Super Burger Time, and they tried to go down the Bubble Bobble path. I would I would take Parasol Stars a million times. They were that in the arcade. Oh. It would make a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, we're stuck with what we have here. Drop Zone did not appear in the arcade, so Deluxe Pac Man is our only arcade homage this week. And but even this plays a lot different. It is kind of interesting, you know. On the Coco, we cover a lot of clone games. Yeah. Uh, on the Amiga, public domain can be anything. It doesn't, yeah. you know, and a lot of times it's not a clone at all. Yeah, you know? we've we've been quite fortunate here recently with our with our uh, committee selections. So I'm interested to see what the people think of these two. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive right into it, Aaron. Let's talk about Deluxe Pac-Man. Are we going to do Deluxe Pac-Man first? We'll do first? Deluxe Pac-Man first, okay. uh, both of the two. Now, Deluxe Pac-Man, listen, you know I'm a big fan of Deluxe Galaga mm -hmm. and Warblade. All right, well, this is the same fella that worked on them. Edgar M. Vigdal. Edgar Vigdal. Uh, Edgar uh, was an interesting uh, cat. He died tragically in the midst of uh, uh, of a project where he was sort of the, the eventually going to get around to upgrading Warblade to a new version. Do you know where Edgar is from? I just found that I believe this he, I believe he's from Norway. Is he from yeah, Norway? Yeah, he's from Norway. Yeah. I didn't know that until yeah. this week. Yeah, I, I noticed that when I was I was looking into him. Uh, it's funny when you look at this game. It does throw. It takes you back a little bit to what public domain used to be because this is a public domain game or shareware. Uh, this is one of those games that's basically like have no qualms about ripping off the name and the actual gameplay from the original arcade machine. But apparently, <laughs> ultimately, I read a bunch of places that this was only released in Norway. Now, and it got and then it got spread around because clearly we've heard about this game millions. Of oh times. yeah. It comes up a lot. This game it's quite popular, and but I mean this was one that was only released really allegedly. Okay, now and also there was a PC version of this that was called Deluxe Pokemon. Mm, clever, in true Katandi tradition. It's right up there with Gantlet. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, I read this a few places. Uh, people said that the name was changed because of the copyright infringement, and also if you look at the game I played, I don't know about the one you played, the one I played. Is registered Edgar Vigdal, and I read that, that he did that because uh, he didn't want to get in trouble or right. had gotten in trouble for mm -hmm. copyright violation. So don't expect a wholly new game when you play. If you're going to go after a game and you want to make an homage to a game, Pac-Man is not the one you want to go after. They have a history of either suing people out of existence or just taking the game, giving them some money, and saying this is our new game, like Miss Pac-Man. I think they were also they had a, a, a chip on their shoulder. Because the early versions of Pac-Man were, were horrible. Mm -hmm. Horrible. Mm -hmm. Even an 8-bit Atari version that was, Not, was no horrible. Good. No good. And, of course, the uh, the legendarily bad Atari 2600 version, which was horrible. And so people that did better versions, for example, Casey Munchkin comes to mind, they went right after that. They mm -hmm. weren't having it. But it's uh, some of these smaller systems, they could get away with it. 
But uh, this one, apparently, they theoretically, they didn't get away with it. So uh, this game originally was released in 92. And as far as I could tell, there, there was an original uh, OCS, ECS version, and then an AGA version that came at 95. Now, I played the AGA version from 95. Well, it's funny. You know, I looked around. Yeah. Uh, and I could not see any, like, I looked on YouTube, uh, and I could not see any difference, and I don't know if everybody on YouTube was just playing the AGA version and it looked the same, because they didn't specify. I only played, I believe, the AGA version, yeah. I played the version that was on the Mister. It didn't say Deluxe Pac-Man AGA, but it looked like an yeah. AGA game. Well, this, so. the one I played was from 95, so it was, it would have been the AGA version. Now, I did see a lot of people commenting on the uh, ver that the versions were virtually identical. So what a surprise that an AGA enhanced version would be the same. Well, well I don't. Edgar may have done things that you don't know about in, with the AGA. I don't know because he did a, all he could with well, such the a Lux Gala guy is the exact same way, right. and so and there were subtle things he probably wouldn't even pay attention to that he changed. Uh, he, of course, uh, Edgar coded this uh, and. Did everything except the music. If you read, if, if there's an about section in this game, if you hit, click on it, he goes, he thanks the people who he stole the music yeah. from. He says he stole it. He's like, yeah. yeah, I hope you don't mind. He's, he's like, this. the music on this, I don't really know who did it, but thank you whoever did now, it. Now, I will so. say one thing, because I, I I think he also either stole, or I know he didn't do the music in Deluxe Galaga, but it's also awesome. Both games have awesome music. Listen, so if, no you're, if, if, you, if you want awesome music, sometimes you just got to steal it. Hey, listen. <laughs> You should see me with logos. I'm forking those things <laughs> left and right. So, Deluxe Pac-Man. What is this game? This is your typical Pac-Man on a, a, what I would say a, a bigger characters and a smaller maze. Yes. I think that's a fair thing to say, uh, Bo. Now, um, what do you do in Pac-Man? You go around the board collecting dots, picking up energizers to turn the ghost blue, and then you eat the ghost. Pretty standard fare, uh, Bo. Uh, and this game, at first glance, sort of seems kind of like a, I don't know, I guess sort of juiced version of Pac-Man. What did you think? When you first booted this up before you got into it, what, what did you expect? Uh, my first impressions were actually not positive. Right. Um, I thought that the mazes were really simple. Uh, I thought that the ghost patterns were awful. I thought they were just, just random. You know, the, the genius of Pac-Man, and this goes all the way back to the original Pac-Man, is that the ghosts all move in sort of like recognizable ways. Yeah. You'd have some ghosts that always chase you, you have some ghosts that do other things, and the the of course this improved markedly with Miss Pac-Man, but even the original Pac-Man, they, they all had personalities. In this game, the ghosts just kind of all move towards you at the same speed. They just sort of knock about and uh, and so when I first started playing, I was like, "Well, this this really isn't that great." So my first impressions were not positive. All right, this I'll, I'll be honest. As much as I'll, I love uh, Warblade and Deluxe Galaga, I knew of this game because this is the only other game that Edgar worked on on the Amiga, and I had never bothered to play it all that much. Uh, to be honest, it just didn't look that great to me. Now. I will say, after dipping into it a little further this week, I will say I understand the appeal. I will say that. Uh, Edgar, why is this deluxe pack, man? Well, what Edgar did was he put in some interesting um, oddities in the game. Uh, normally, in a, in a game of Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man, you'll occasionally a cherry or uh, something will appear. Some sort a key of or something. Or you'll go down and eat it. Bonus score right. item. In this game, what you'll get is, is an actual, uh, uh, something to add on to Pac-Man's abilities or powers, okay? So, here are the, a list of the things that you can appear that you can bite, okay? You can get an extra life. You can get something that makes him go double fast, mm -hmm. okay, which is helpful. There's a shield. There's something that slows down the ghost. There's something that freezes the ghost. There's something that makes the ghost explode. There are multi point multipliers that just come in as an X2 or an X5, I believe. There's something that changes all the uh, power, all the uh, the pellets to diamonds for that, which is increasing points. Uh, there's also a, a something that transports Pac-Man to a basically like a bonus level, which I did come across those, a couple of those. And then my personal favorite, there's a gun, the old Pac-Man gun, and it gives you the ability to just shoot bullets out of your mouth for a spell. A lot of this is definitely, it's very similar to Deluxe Galaga, the way some of this stuff's set up. Deluxe Galaga, its claim to fame was having all these crazy 
uh, uh, power-ups and uh, weird things that went on in the background and bonus levels. And it's the same in here. The gun even has a little meter that's off to the side. That's exactly the same kind of thing that uh, uh, that Deluxe uh, Galaga did to show how many bullets you had left. Uh, so that was sort of a throwback. A lot of this stuff, like I said, if, you, if you've played Deluxe Galaga, you'll be right at home with a lot of this stuff because it's literally exactly the same. I wasn't 100% sure which of these games, both, from what I read, both his games and the Amiga came out the same year. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I think... I think this predated the Lux Gal, but I can't be 100%. Did you read anything about that? I didn't see the chronology. Yeah. Whenever you uh, finish a, a level, uh, you you get a sort of a picture that pops up mm -hmm. of Pac-Man. He, uh, looks, he looks beat down. In I'm the guessing these were also stolen. Right. <laughs> uh, and I only because I, I don't know. Listen, and if Edgar drew these, I apologize, but... I think I've seen these somewhere else, and mm -hmm. so I think those were. Also it looks like something when you get like a random disc full of images on it. It would have some like weird Pac-Man type, yeah. You know, right, looks right, like something like right. that. So, uh, uh, you know, there you go. Now the mazes in this, at first glance, look very uh, teeny and mm -hmm. sort of generic. It almost looks like when you, if you bought like an LCD or an L, one of those old LCD Pac-Man type games, right. where they had to make the maze small and they had to make Pac-Man big. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't be, like I said, not, not a good first impression. Yeah. Uh, but you'll find that the mazes in this are actually are a big part of the game mm -hmm. because what they, what he does with them is really spices them up. Everything from one way areas to not having any uh, actual maze at all, mm -hmm. just basically having uh, uh, dots that you run around. Right. Uh, they, it's like do run run. There are that areas point. that remind me quite a bit of Casey Munchkin, where there's basically one way in yep, yep. and one way out to a huge. So you're in a huge section of the map that is has only one way in and out. And, so you in have fact, to go this, in that this way. game in a lot of ways reminds me more of Casey Munchkin than Pac-Man. And that's a good thing. Yeah, because, because it's a better as, game. as you get into this game, you'll you'll soon realize that th there's more to this game, I will say, begrudgingly, because I was ready to bury this, I'll be honest with you. And I love Edgar's stuff, but I was ready to bury this. But this actually is a pretty darn good game. I mean, it, uh, it's a fun game. The mazes and the power-ups make the game. Mm -hmm. The bonus levels are neat. One thing, Edgar was a master. I was putting in wacky stuff, and he did that here. You know, turning the dots into different stuff. Uh, it's 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 a fun high-score game. Now, I will say, much like <clears throat> much like Deluxe Galaga and Warblade, you sort of throw out the high scores to a certain degree because there are things that can that can give you an, an advantage point-wise. That are just random, right? And so this is a game where you're you know, just trying to get through the game, but the fun of the game is seeing what kind of a maze pops up next. Yeah, and and there are a lot of crazy stuff in here. Uh, I was reading that uh, in the original ECS version of this, they had named the game the or ghosts. The ghosts were Blinky, Clyde, Sue, and Funky. <laughs> no, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, it says here they changed. I didn't notice. I didn't, by the way, I didn't see any place where it mentioned the ghost name. But apparently, in the in the HA version, he replaced Clyde with Inky. So it's Blinky, Inky, Sue, and Funky. <laughs> At I'm least glad Funky's funky. in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's good stuff. So after you got into this for a while, Boat, where did this leave you? I am kind of like you. Yeah. I sort of turned a corner on this game because I stopped trying to compare it to Pac-Man. Yeah. And if if you do that, and if you say this is not this is not a Pac-Man homage, this is a maze chase game that stands on its own. It, it it makes it a lot more fun. I think just like you did that the maze design. It wasn't like he just made different mazes and the patterns are just different. Like the mazes all have an optimal way to play them. Yeah. He really put a lot of thought into the way the mazes are laid out. And that is cool because there's a lot of different maze types. Literally every stage of this game is a different maze yeah. type. And you're always left wondering, and the, here's the thing. This is sort of like the anti-Mega Bug, you know, where yes. you, you play Mega Bug, there's the one level that's got 16 billion dots on it. You know, this, this le these levels might have half the amount of dots of a normal Pac-Man level, but that means you get to see twice as many boards. And right. you get to experience twice as many sort of like different scenarios in which you're doing the same thing. This game, again, I say this all the time, for me, variety 
in a game covers a multitude of sins. And whatever, whatever sort of shortcomings this game has, the amount of variety that's thrown at you, and the way that you can progress through this game fairly easily, and each board is completely different, yeah. makes this game a real winner and far outshines the original Pac-Man. I'd much rather play this than Pac-Man 1 any day of the week. This is, this is like I said, this is very much like Casey Munchkin, which is good. We also, I can't believe we forgot to mention this, but we love every game that lets you spell bonus out. Yeah, this is another yeah, one that lets yeah. you do that. It's like a universal game. And so yeah. that's we, we we always they always put that over. Uh, but don't let the little little mazes fool you because uh, and, and again, Deluxe Gallagher was like this too. At the beginning, it's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Then it ramps up. This game isn't like most of me games where it just beats you to death instantly. Now, this game does have difficulty levels. I will tell you that if you play this on the highest difficulty level. It will beat you to death instantly. Oh, it's but, double fast. But this is where this is one of my minor quibbles with this game is that the the, the difficulty is just the speed of the game. Yeah, that's the it. ghosts don't get any smarter. No. Nothing changes. The only thing that changes is they just ratchet up the speed. But again, which uh, again, this is uh, sort of uh, Casey Munchkin, like a lot of Pac-Man games. It's just what they do. Right. But yeah, the the ghosts are not as arcade intelligent as mm -hmm. you would hope. But the game, the mazes make the game, and you have to be sort of clever. And you're navigating these, and you know, just like any other Pac-Man, and, uh, and taking care of, the, of your power pellets and, and whatnot. But I liked it, Bo. Did anybody? Did we get any Discord action? We on did. Pajaco sixty five oh two writes. Initially, this looks like a kiddie console game, but scratch the beneath the surface, and you get a fun take on Pac-Man. Don't let the large cartoon graphics fool you. Having a smaller maze and seemingly more Pac-thirsty ghosts make this one a bit of a challenge to get through. Thankfully, though, the creator has added some much-needed upgrades to help Pac-Man on his way. Honestly, Pac-Man having a gun and popping a cap and ghost butt was a little too far, but it is fun. It was surprising. <laughs> I personally had some laggy control issues on both the mystery and emulation, and the ghost sprite collision was a little too strict, so it wasn't all plain sailing. But that said, for a game that was essentially free back when this was a rarity, I don't feel so hard done by. With some added bonus levels, differing mazes, and ghosts that give you a bit of a challenge, this one is worth a go even for just a couple of hours, 7 out of 10. Mm. Level Lord writes... Edgar's Deluxe Pac-Man is, is a perfect game for a quick coffee break, featuring a ton of power-ups which will help you navigate the maze and collecting extra will give you additional life. Animation and graphics are very good, something to be expected from Edgar. Music or effects can be selected within the game, but not both at the same time. My friends and me used to play this game a lot, taking turns and trying to achieve a better score. Proof of, good proof of good gameplay and fun is my daughter who walked into my computer layer and took game the gamepad from me playing for good a good half an hour before I turned the retro pie on, so she switched to playing there. Score, <laughs> 8 out of 10. You Very have to draw the kids in. You know it's good. Very good. All right, Aaron. Is it time to switch over to... Now, I will say, as we, before we exit this one, it makes me happy that we finally got to Edgar's last game. Uh, everything I've read about this guy says he was a real sweet guy, a real creative guy. I, you know, he had a rough go with there because he was sick for a while. But uh, and I, I always wonder why this game was over so much. And after playing it, I will say I was pleasantly surprised uh, at the amount of enjoyment I got from it. Much like that kid, you can just sit down with a joystick and right. go to work on this and have right. a good time, which is not always the case. And we we've, we've played a lot of games on the Amiga that were not free. Or shareware that were not as good. There's no doubt about that. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, I'll, that's the endorsement I'll give that one. Let's move along, Bo, to a game that you have an intimate knowledge of here. It's the old Drop Zone, mm -hmm. Bo. Now, tell them the, the tell them the sordid tale of how we got this footage, Bo. Because why? Well, uh, there's no footage of this on YouTube. I, I'll stand correct. There's a 55 second clip yeah. of, of somebody playing this on YouTube, and so I took it upon myself. And uh, credit must be paid to the one and only Pixels at Dawn, who uh, gave me an ADF that I could use yeah. and gave me the, uh, the 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 best tip of all, which is the you know with a lot of these public domain games, they're a little bit particular about what kind of hardware you use them yeah. on. And so I found the, by emulating an A500 and putting one meg of chip RAM and one meg of fast RAM in here, this game ran well. If you don't have that, this game can run too fast or just not run at all. I will say I also used that advice, and I actually played this. This is one I played on Amiga forever. I used that, and I downloaded the ADF you had, and it worked. I had zero problems, so uh, it was it was a, a smooth sailing for me. So Drop Zone uh, released in '94, developed by a guy named Richard Tunstall. 
I looked into this guy because this is the only thing he ever did, right? And believe it or not, if you go to AmyNet and the upload for this, he's written a little thing because he uploaded it himself. And I, I thought it'd be interesting to look through it here. So he mentions that Drop Zone is based on Archie McLean's uh, 6064 game, the same name. Which, which is, is which is inaccurate. It's an Atari 8-bit game that got ported to the C64. Right. Well, there you go. So you're going to... But anyway... He, he, his this C guy's stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking That's about. Not, I'm be, burying him. Don't be a jerk. No, I just so anyway, the C64, his C64 died, but he wanted to play this game. All right? And so he thought, well, no one else has it. So he decided to do it himself, which is, I always love it when people do that because I many times I have something I don't like, but I don't have the abilities right. to exactly. do that. Then so, I just go cry in the mud. So he said it took him two years, more or less, to complete it. And uh, he wrote it and did it without actually being able to compare it to the uh, actual drop. Zone. That's unbelievable. So he what had a, to sort of he had to talent. sort of guess. Did you say? Did you have a list of works by this guy? Is this the only? This thing is it. This wow. is the only one thing. The only thing he, and I looked him up on the net. See if he did anything for anything else. As far as I could tell, this is the only That's thing crazy. he did. So uh, he said, comparing it with the original recently, I was surprised to see how different it actually turned out. You see, I based it solely on my memories because I didn't have a working C64. Yes, the basic concepts there, uh, and the super, but the superficial differences of the colored levels and backgrounds are there as well. And that's and he used some additional jack because the Amiga has more p power than a C64 would. So uh, there you go. And he goes on to talk about how uh, how you could actually get it to work on a 1200 uh, HD and it works. That's what that's what he programmed it for was a Amiga 1200. Interesting. So yeah, so it was uh, it was interesting. You had trouble. Uh, he also mentions a hidden cheat cheat menu in here, which I'm sure probably sure you probably found. No, out. I didn't. I didn't find it. Yeah. So again, this was Richard Tunstall. So well done, Richard, yeah. for taking the law in your own hands. He did everything in this one man band. He had no one help him at all. And as this game comes up. Uh, and by the way, uh, thanks to Pixel for us, you have to be patient. This game takes a while to load off ADM. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very strange. Yeah. The, you see the title screen, and then it's just you're there for a long, long time. This game does have a pretty neat like uh, title screen. Uh, real nice, actually. Mm -hmm. and it's sort yeah. of digit, it kind of beams into you. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. And then you get down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, he used uh, Blitz Basic and Basic to make this. He also, it's funny, in the credits, he thanks... Uh, Archer McLean. He also thanks the uh, fellow who did Defender. He also gives that guy. Yeah, problems. well, I mean, this is a. I mean, the Drop Zone is. I've I've always considered it to be Defender for the rest of us. I just think that's easier. nice. Though, yeah, it is. Yeah, nice. I think that's nice. cool. So, what do you do in this game? Well, if you ever played Drop Zone, uh, you'll know. But if you haven't, uh, you're a you're basically an astronaut uh, in a uh, basically an old school astronaut outfit with mm -hmm. the, like thrusters that are right on your back. And you are going around and you're trying to protect these, uh, these I guess what are they, colonists or they, something they, like that? Yeah, in, in the original drop zone, they're just called men. Right, and you, and you drop <laughs> them off. I think they're scientists in the docks. You drop them off at your base. Mm -hmm. And the way this works, it's funny because it's been a while since we did this on the, I believe we, we, we did it on 1200 XL. Yeah, 1200 XL. Uh, uh, and I think me and Brent also did this on the Super Nintendo. So this is my third yeah. go around yeah. drop zone. Uh, the way this works is the captured men you've got, you've got a certain amount of men at the start of this, and that's what you get in this mm -hmm. version. And so you uh, want to get you want to get as many as you can in because that's how the your scoring is based on a multiplier as to, as to how many guys you've got in your little base, and right. they carry over the next level, which mm -hmm. I found out. So, and your little base is nicely that it almost looks like a, it's like a hole beside a, a modem. Sort mm -hmm. of reminds me of a flag beside right. it, and you're flying through space. Uh, trying to ward off these guys that are trying to kidnap your people. Okay, now there are some interesting aliens. Let's go with that. That you have to fight. Some of these things look pretty good, but there are a couple aliens that I really can't stand. As you try to ward them off with your shots, your guy can shoot a la Defender. In fact, the very same kind of streaky bullet mm -hmm. you'd use in mm -hmm. Defender. This game does have a trick up its sleeve. And it, much like every other version of this game, it's a trick I never use, which is the cloak button. If you hit the cloak button on this, uh, you go basically, you can't be killed, but you can't do anything. You just fly around, and you also can't pick up anybody, and the cloak meter will run down until it's gone. You can turn it on or off. It's sort of like, a, almost like a protective shield. That's where you're supposed to use it, but I never use it in any of these drop zones, and I didn't use it in this one. What about you? Did you I, use it much? Uh, I did not use... In the original drop zone, you must use the cloak. I didn't or use it. Well, I mean, you're, it's going to be very difficult to play it without was. it. In this version, 
uh, you have a lot more screen real estate to play yeah. with. And so the cloak, uh, and you also deal with a lot fewer enemies. Uh, and so the cloak button isn't as necessary, but I did use the heck out of the old smart bomb. The smart bomb is also, now that will help you. Now, mm -hmm. let's talk about, we've talked about the people you rescue. Uh, the bot, and you're flying over a planet that you that's a screen high, and so you're just seeing sort of like these kind of, I'd say, stark background. Mm -hmm. in, you know, you're in space, the planet's just sort of some rudimentary mountains on the ground. Uh, you're, you have a radar at the bottom of the screen, a good radar, just exactly like Defender. It goes, it, it, the, the radar covers the entirety of the game, mm -hmm. and then it highlights the area that you can see. Right. So you know where you're at, you know where people are that you need to rescue, and you know, and you know, uh, where the enemies are. That's, I think that pretty much sums it up. Mm -hmm. I found the radar perfectly acceptable. I didn't have any trouble with that. I think the Achilles heel in this game <clears throat> were some of the enemy choices. Now, again, it's been a long time since I played this on the uh, back in the day on the 1200, and the super version was just wacky. But there's a set of aliens in this where you shoot them, and they shoot off into basically like lines of aliens. Those are in the original drop. These too. guys are irritating as heck to kill. Mm -hmm. They're literally as thick as your shots. Right. And so you have to line them up perfectly. Well, or you can wait for them to turn and head north yeah. or south, and then you, you have a wider Just target. Just like a, a, a ships at sea. Right. You want to catch them at right. that angle. Exactly. Uh, but that all that said, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna break some hearts here. I'm going to make people mad. Of all the drop zones I played, this was far and away my favorite one. And the reason I say that is, it was the one that I had the best success at. Like, I actually could play this and get pretty far. Like, I watched you play, and I was like, man, look at that boat. Because we've gotten smashed at this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before. Now, uh, is this as flashy? It's not even as graphically impressive as the 1200 or the Atari version, in my opinion. Would you say it? Would you agree? Yes. Well, it's not. I'm not even going to say the sounds as good as the Atari version. But, <coughs> excuse me, it's very playable. The control in this is far and away the best controlling drop that I've played. You can control the guy quite well. I felt like I was always fighting controllers on these other versions. This one played perfectly to me. And even the annoying aliens that were very thin were uh, conquerable. You could actually save the people. It worked. You could shoot the bad guys. You could kill them e the, when they'd screwed one of your guys. You could shoot them. I understand how the game worked very well. Maybe third time's a charm. I figured it out finally, Boat. I understood how the scoring worked. Even on a rare occasion, I'd use the cloak, but I often would line up the screens to use that super zapper mm -hmm. to get rid of the crap I didn't like. Right. Which, as long as they put something like that in the game, I can tolerate the annoying alien, mm -hmm. you know. The game goes on, it ramps up in a quality way. What did you think about this thing? Uh, I agree with almost all of your points. Oh, but I can't believe it. Uh, this is, if you are going to play a drop zone, I think that this is the one to play because it is the easiest one to get into. Once you sort of hone your skills on this, maybe you can go check out the this other This is like later. Drop Zone for kids. Right. <laughs> the reason why this is so much easier is because you have about 30% more vertical screen real estate to deal with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you, can, you can avoid everything so much easier because your man, Mr. Drop Zone, he is about half the size of he of his, his former self on both Super Drop Zone and Regular Drop Zone, both of which I played to get ready for this, just to do some comparison. Oh, you played Super? Yeah, I played, you think? I played them both. Uh, it is exactly the same as the Atari 8-bit version, uh, just with like that thing in the background, and then you add, but then you add the boss battles, and I thought that the boss battles were pretty cool. Oh, so, they suck. Really? Well, um, mm. but yeah, I was a, I was a fan, and you should, you know, all I'm a big fan of Drop Zone, it just uh, on the whole. Yeah. Uh, this basically, you know, you think about this is like a combination defender and choplifter. Yeah. Uh, because you're 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 rescuing guys, you're taking them back to the base. I like that mechanic. I'm yeah, a fan of that the mechanic. Choplifter effect. Right. 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 Um, the uh, this game is interesting because, and I don't know if this happened to you, but the first, and this happened every single time I played. The first time you load it up the game plays in black and white. And it knows it's playing in black and white because it says it's like, it's retro style. Or it'll give you like, this is the medieval version or something like that. As soon as you get your first game over, the colored game loads. Did you notice that? Mine didn't do that. Okay. I don't know if it's just my ADF or what, but you can see it in this playthrough. Um, and that happened every time I played, not yeah, just the playthrough. I didn't I get that. Um, this game, as you move forward, 
you know, each stage is named, which I like. Uh, yeah. uh, and it's got a clever name. Uh, the backgrounds, it also starts, you start in the dead of night, the sky starts to lighten, you get into daytime, yeah. and then it goes back to night again. So that's that's great. Um, you are missing a lot of the sort of, uh, the, a lot of the, the extras in terms of the ground. Yeah. Uh, when you play Drop Zone uh, on any other, or any real versions of Drop Zone, you get a uh, a moon like you know, a moonscape, I guess is what you'd call it. Lots of craters and things. Even the radar is better looking. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah. So the this is a, this is a an odd example of a 16-bit game looking markedly worse than yeah. an 8-bit game. It's it's you know this is the enigma of all enigmas. It's a game that regressed in every conceivable way, mm -hmm. except the most important way, which makes it my clear favorite. Right. Because right. the gameplay is king. And while this doesn't have the ornate ground, this doesn't have uh, all the I mean, Archer's version that we both have worked. I mean, they had great sound and explosions were better. That was the big claim to fame. We did all these big explosions. Everything was better, but the controls. The controls right. were I never liked them. I've never liked them. This one controls great. Mm -hmm. You know, and it and uh, now you one can say one can, the argument can be made. That the difficulty the controls are part of the overall aspects of the game. Okay, that's fine. I, and I'm not going to fight you on it, but not for me, it's not. I want to be able to control the guy and have fun. And that's what this version did. This really surprised me, Boat. I mean, because it looked, you know, like I said, it's very rudimentary. But, I mean, I couldn't help but like it. And I didn't know how you were going to fall, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Uh, but I'm pleasantly surprised that, that, you, that you dug it as well. Did I we, did. We get any discords on this one? We did, we did. Let me scoot on over here. Uh, Pajaco says, preparing to hand in my badge and zapper gun. I have to admit, I've yet to play the original Drop Zone properly, so I have no real gauge for this one other than Defender and its many clones I've played. This is a pretty good arcade-style shoot race rescue game that requires some skill and a large swear jar. The game does noticeably speed up as more enemies get killed off, and sometimes it feels really hard to hit an enemy, even though you are pounding away on the fire button. But once you get into the swing of it, you can get a good game on. Overall, this was not bad, and reminding myself that it is a PD game, and again, effectively free, it's okay. Not a game I can rave about, but if this was on a demo machine at a slow, I'd certainly sit down and have a play. Mm. Level Lord says, It took me some time to make this game work under the emulator, and with the long loading, it felt like an eternity before I turned turbo on floppy. This is a clone of C64 Choplifter and Defender, while controlling character is taken from Jetpack. Unfortunately, this game does not play very well. Movement is slow while your laser is limited to two shots in a sequence. I was watching those laser beams slowly traverse over the screen, mostly missing its targets. The people I'm rescuing are replaced by the spinning sickles, which look like one of the enemies on the screen, so I was not sure the right way or whom to rescue. Score, 4 out of 10. It's interesting that people mention, and even I'm watching your playthrough here, and there's some parts of it that seem slower than mine. You know, he mentioned uh, that this would be, had been created on a 1200, and I'm wondering if uh, it would be played a lot better on the 1200. I know because it's funny when I played this, and I, again I used Amiga forever to play this, and it played great. Mm -hmm. I mean, it paid, and it was smooth. Right. And so I wonder if there's that. This might be one you might want to throw on one of your faster Amigas or up your emulation to a faster uh, processor, maybe a faster machine. Yeah. And I think that might do it for you, Boat. But yeah. listen. I'm going to go out and record here. I like both these games, too. Yeah. And specifically, this one was... I figured I... You know, well, Bullets Pac-Man, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not. But this one here, I was ready to kill this sucker boat. And I ended up enjoying it. I really uh, thought this was a super dandy boaster. All right, Aaron. Well, where it's time to leave Drop Zone, but we are going to move on and talk about the man, the myth, the legend... RetroRewind.ca. Aaron, what's going on over there on Retro Rewind Listen, these days? Frank's always got something cooking. All right. So I'm listening to uh, Pixel Gaiden both, and lo and behold, they're talking about a new gimmick. They're talking about a new accelerator for the Amiga 600, the Amiga 600. And so I asked Frank about it. This is something that's coming soon. Uh, it, sh it could be any day now. This is an accelerator for the Amiga 600. Now, why do I bring this up? Uh, this is because Frank is always at it, Boat. He's always trying to come up with a new gimmick or a new uh, product that you can play on your Commodores and your Amiga and your Coco. This is another prime example. I can't wait till this comes out. He also told us about a, a product that he's, that he's got out that allows your Amiga 1000 to have HDMI, which we've talked about. 
That's a great item. As someone who has an Amiga 1000, yes, sounds good to me because we've both struggled with trying to get good output out of these things, and this would be a, a welcome thing to get hold of. There are tons. If you go over to RetroRewind.ca, just browse slowly through the many, many products he's got, and you'll be amazed at what you'll find. On top of that, you've got his uh, services. He'll do your recaps for you. Send in your classic machine, and Frank will do your recaps with quality uh, controlled environment, with top-of-the-line machinery that's special built to take care of business on these items, uh, and send them back to you in pristine condition at a great price. Yeah. Plus, you can make the price even better if you want, can't you, Bode? You can save 10% off this or any order by using your promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. We appreciate Frank and his team at Retro Rewind, and we thank them for being an official sponsor. Very good, Boat. All right, Aaron, it's time to talk about this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. All right, Aaron, our first story comes from a Twitter thread that somebody alerted me to, and uh, apparently... Uh, there's this guy, this uh, Adrian with many masks at the ready, has done some research, and there were some formerly commercially released games that have fallen into the public domain. The uh, developers and the rights holders have put these things into the public domain. So uh, this if, is outstanding. Yeah, yeah. And one would cool? wonder why they, I would have put every one of these on the on the um, 500 mini. Right. Because look at these. There's, it's not like this is garbage. There's some good stuff in here. You right. Know? Exactly. Exactly. So it turns out that uh, Team 17, Gremlin, and uh, and others have released their games into the the public domain. And so you can, uh, if you if if uh, piracy makes you squeamish, you can freely rest easy at night by uh, downloading these, knowing that uh, Factor Five, Citadel. I mean, there's tons of these things. Listen, sword of Sodan. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Public domain, baby. I wonder if Lionheart's in the free. Let's get let's look here, because I no, sadly, we're still pirating that one. No. But, but hey, I mean, listen. Uh, there's a Lemmings thing in here. There's there's some stuff. There's some good stuff in here. That's a that's a great. That's great. Yeah. That's so. Give that guy double props for that. Nice work. That's very handy. Where's Laurent Giroux? Get on this, Laurent. You can you can play uh, with it with a clear conscience, my friend. That's right. That's right. All right, Aaron. Our next story uh, is uh, this is I, I figured this would tickle you, Aaron. Oh, geez, no. Because this is your favorite guy. Oh man. This is the old Mister Retro Recipes. Oh yes, I saw this coming up, but it hadn't been released. Yet. And guess what he's done? He's put a 500 mini into a 1200 shell. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually see if he did exactly what I was talking to you about what I was going to do because this guy I think he knows and hates me. So I'm assuming <laughs> I'm wondering if he used a uh, a key raw to interface I'm the sure keyboard. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. But that was remember I talked to you I said you know what we could do is just put a key raw on this thing. Mm -hmm. It'll be awesome. Yeah. And then as I was watching flipping through the videos of the day, I saw this come up like coming soon. I'm like, "Well, that sucker's going to hose me again." And That's he, right. he has. So That's right. Great minds think alike, but then again, uh, in all honesty, it's, that's kind of a dumb project to be honest with you. I, I even by, even now, I thought it was a dumb project. I was going to say, where did you run into issues uh, with your with your C when you did this with the C sixty four? Well, the C sixty four problems came came because the number one, the C sixty four keyboard is not not so good, uh, and so the emulator. I use the 64 to run different stuff, not just C64, mm -hmm. and so I ran into big trouble just because the the, the words enough function keys, and a lot of emulators are hardwired to certain keys that you yeah. didn't have, and the key rod gave you some limited ability to move stuff around, but it wasn't the best, you know. And then uh, it just it, you know I gave up because at the end of the day, the problem with putting these problem with putting these old consoles or computers and putting new stuff in them. Is it? I mean, yes, I can see the appeal of doing it. I mean, I did it. I've done it twice. I did it with the Coco as well. But I mean, really, it's you're, the boards you're putting in it are like this big, and you can use any keyboard, and so you can use a keyboard fifty times better right. than what this thing had in it originally. So at at some point, there's a there's a there's a, a, a cross between the functionality you want versus the aesthetic, mm -hmm. right? 
And I learned that the aesthetic side quickly got a butt kicking right. from the functionality part. I'm right when you want to play you. a certain game. I'm right and so I would abandon these things. Now, the Coco Atomic Pie was better because it ran Windows. It gave you a little more, you could get a little more, but it's still, you've still got the mouse there, and it's just, it's all weird. Mm-hmm. You know, so can you do it? Yes. Listen, I was going to put a pie or something in a jukebox, and when it occurs to you that you could hold more songs on something the size of your fingernail than 50 or 100 or 500 jukeboxes could ever hold, and you're putting something that small into a huge, heavy, ponderous, weird thing, it's mm-hmm. like, what are we doing? Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know what we're doing. And sometimes I still break my own rule, but mm-hmm. there you go. All right, Aaron. We're, we're going to move on past thanks that. For, thanks for pulling this one up for me, bro. I, I was going to say we I'm need... to turn the air back on, We need folks. to bring your blood pressure down yeah. back to an acceptable number. So we're going to take a look at TAWS, Aaron. T-A-W-S, the Amiga Workbench Simulation. This thing, Aaron, is a special website put up every year by the the folks uh, through uh, in in over in Germany. Okay, this is the big Amiga Expo. Folks. Okay. Yeah. Oh, look at that. October 2022, Amiga 37 in Germany. It's back on. I think they've been off for a couple years because of the unpleasantness. Yeah. And listen, who knows how to put together a website? These guys. Man. Look okay. At oh man, this stuff actually works. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I guess, this is powered by Vampire and Amiga Kit. And uh, you can go in here. This is just like a real Amiga workbench. You can go through and uh, and sign up for the event. You can find out news, other things. How cool is this thing, man? You know, you'll recall that the last Amiga uh, meeting in Germany was at the time, before the pandemic, this was a huge deal. Do you remember all of a sudden that broke? Oh, yeah. This was a monster deal. Mm-hmm. And so this, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this thing. Right, because uh, you've got October, hopefully... It, Listen, let's hope things have settled down by October, okay? And if they have, and this just goes on without a hitch, and you've had people that have been squirreled away for a couple years, there's no telling what kind of insane stuff that's going to be broken at this. This is probably going to be the premier Amiga event of the year. Right. And so, and by the way, website, awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great stuff. Good find, Boat. I love that. All right, Aaron, and of course, we had a special request from Happy Coding to include this in the Amiga News this week. Yes. The ZX Spectrum turns 40. Yes. 40 yes. today. Today. What do you think about that, Boat? Uh, here we are, 40 years of the ZX. Now, uh, me and you do play a lot of ZX. In fact, we had a great, really fun stream a couple weeks ago uh, playing with the ZX Plus 2. Uh, and here we are, two Americans. We're looking at this 40th anniversary. Well, of course, this didn't get any coverage here except by the YouTubers, mm-hmm. but what do you think about a machine like the ZX that's going strong, stronger probably, I mean, of all the retro computers that we fool with, I would put the Commodore 64 in terms of stuff that's coming out now at the top, mm-hmm. but the ZX would be right there alongside it. Yeah. Number two, and the reason why is because it was truly an international machine. Yes. This is a, this, this was not like the BBC Micro. You know, this was not like the uh, this was not like the Einstein, the tattooing Einstein. This yeah. was a machine that that came from Britain, but spread its wings all over Europe. You had Russian clones, you had Eastern European variants, you had a lot of stuff in Portugal, you had stuff in South America. This machine everywhere but here because they bungled and they tried to put it out as a they different bought, machine. How do you think? Let me ask you. This is an interesting topic you bring up. Let's say they don't drop the ball on the American version. Does this thing, does it have the jack to get over here, in your opinion? Well, here's the thing. This thing came out in 1982. Yeah. Okay. When did the C64 come out? It would have been uh, at least another year. Okay. So this thing might have gotten some traction if... This would have been compatible like the Vic, for example. Yeah, if they would have put in a couple extra quality of life things. For example, an on-off switch. I think a, a, a computer for sale in the United States without an on-off switch would be a hard sell. I think the on-off switch and a, a status light mm-hmm. and a, a key, another keyboard, it would have to be more expensive. It would have to be. Yeah. That I don't think the ZX Spectrum, as released in the UK, would... It wouldn't have bought it. it's not I because mean, we're great. We're actually dumb. But right. we... But people are... different the, world. They sta- the, you know, the Apple II, the, the VIC... And the Atari 8-bit had established what we considered to be the minimum viable requirements for a computer. Correct. Yeah. And so, uh, but, man, I wish it would have come out yeah, here. Because I wish it would have. There is something uniquely British about this uh, machine as well. And, I mean, the, uh, that's one thing I love about it. 
Uh, it's I think they can, they got away with stuff from a computer standpoint that would never fly here. Yeah. It just wouldn't fly. Right. And they but it flew there. All the weird disk drives and all the weird auxiliary and the no, and the no on off switch and all that stuff you get away with that. Mm-hmm. But I mean. It seems like a big deal, but it's not, and it wasn't there. Right. And over here, we would let that get in the way. But anyway, uh, this is an outstanding bundle, a charity bundle here, Boat. The 40th uh, birthday game mixtape. Uh, you could pick this thing up. Uh, Ten bucks get you in. I think you can add more if you'd like. And you are set up with a ton of games here. And I mean a ton. And the best thing is the money goes to charity... Uh, and it goes to the awesome charity Special Effects that helps enhance the quality of life of severely physically disabled people throughout the world. Yeah. Boat. So this is a worldwide charity. What these people do, I did a little research because I oh, bought good. this thing immediately. Yeah, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah. And uh, these guys, they build special adaptive controllers so people that are severely physically disabled can play. For example, they have people that are quadriplegics. They have no limbs, and they built interfaces that they can control games with their eye movements. Yeah, I mean, these guys are really doing great things for people that that you know could probably use some more joy in their life. Yes, absolutely. Well said, Boat. So, listen, if you are, a, a, I know this is an Amiga show, but I know we got a lot of ZX fans out there for listening at home or watching. Uh, even if you're not the biggest fan of the Spectrum, this is a great cause. Ten bucks. Pick it up, give it to your buddy. Yeah, you know, or keep it for yourself, whichever one you want. But this is a nice, a nice gift for someone. And I mean, you get a ton of games here. I'm looking through some of these games here, and there's a lot of stuff here, man. Some of the stuff looks really good. I've heard about some of it. I've heard that people pick this up really have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, and they know a lot more about the spec. I'm looking forward. I mean, there's the, there's the trash. The new trash man is yeah, in there. That's so, all yeah. we need. That's yeah. about ten bucks for that. That's right. That's so, right. So an excellent pickup. Uh, we were. I was turned on to this by our good buddy Happy Coding, uh, who also has done his share of charity work. Oh yeah, on the spectrum. And, and by the way, I want to put him over working on a brand new uh, Donkey Kong for the ZX that is really coming along. Cool. I had a look at it this week. But uh, if you uh, would be so kind, help these disabled folks out and get yourself some awesome ZX action boat. Now, Aaron, before we move on to our community update section. Yeah. We've got a little unboxing, a little oh, Amigos we should, we should we fit unboxing. That in, you we think? should fit that in right now. Okay, a grab. We now we picked out some of this stuff's related and some's not. But I want to. I thought it'd be just fun to go over. And some of it's not related to anything. A boat. So boat, you turned me on to this in a weird way because you've got this little gimmick called the FujiNet mm-hmm. for the Atari. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been watching this project with some interest. And this, I got this. This came in the mail. There were only five of these available at the time, and I picked one up. And this right here is a FujiNet uh, for the Coleco Atom That's right. boat. Now, I just, in the, uh, this week has been so hectic because of all the prep I've had to do. I haven't even opened this thing up yet or take it out. But for those listening at home, it's a little box. And this thing hooks up via the uh, AtomNet ports. These little, like, phone ports. Yeah. And has an SD card slot, and this should allow me to, aside from the fact that it'll let me play all the Atom and Coleco games, this has internet capabilities, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, and I know for a fact they've had games that were playing between Atari computers and the Coleco How Atom. How cool is that? On the net, so, and also accessing the web with your Atom. So, finally, it took the guys at FujiNet to make the Atom of an actual little decent machine. <laughs> so, this will be something that we'll be playing with. Because I know boats, me and boat, boat was there when we broke out the Coleco Adam, and it was a glorious. It was day, wonderful. It was wonderful uh, when we did that, and we have a, you know, we're eerily similar in regards to that sort of thing. So this will be something that's going to be. I coming, can't wait. Yeah, coming down the pike, boat. coming to a disaster stream near yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that was the non-Amiga stuff. Now this, I got a note about this. Let's pop it open here, and uh, I think I opened this. Yeah, here we go. So look at this boat. These are a couple books. From our good buddy David Hearn. Oh yeah, sent, David Hearn. Sent us, the writer. He sent us these to check out. I'm going to try not to destroy them as I get them out of the wrapper here. Uh, David Hearn wrote a, wrote himself a book, boat. Now I don't know if he's. I mean, he's he is David Hearn writer. That's right. These are bam. Oh my gosh. This two is another. Copies. This is Escape from the Commodore 64. Wow. Y'all. So I'm going to read a little bit from the back. Yeah, here, go ahead, babe. dude. Yeah. 
Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasure computer games. So apparently, uh, she uh, when one of, when Reese tells her one of the computer games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs until it happens. Oh man, it's the Tron so, gimmick there. Yeah, yeah. Listen, David uh, sent me a note and asked if, if I would be interested in, in having a look at these. I was like, Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Are I'm, you kidding me, dude? This looks like some great summer so reading. So set them up. So we will let you know uh, how the how how this goes. But if you're interested, uh, David Hearn uh, is Escape from the Connor sixty four. I don't know if uh, uh, I will put some links in the show notes where you can pick this up uh, from David. David's a real good guy. He's, I mean, I know from the writing I've read Discord and stuff, he's not, he's no slouch. That's either. right. We're he's, so lucky to have real look writers at that, look in at our that community, cover, you know? y'all. That's a good stuff. Isn't I mean, that this cool? is a proper. It's got a yeah. It's got a it's got a barcode on it and everything. Yeah, this is a proper it's legit. book. It's not this isn't a Lulu. Uh, so yeah, this is a good. Looks like it's about a uh, uh, almost two hundred pages of uh, Escape. From the Connor 64. I think this will be now, an excellent. He, he did write an inscription in mine. Oh, okay, great. And he oh, said, in mine too. <laughs> he, said, he said, Dear Boat, thanks for the laughs with the Amigos podcast. I've been entertained by your and Aaron's antics for years. One of the biggest laughs you gave me was when you called Flashback Euro Trash. I still laugh. <laughs> Thanks for all the sharing. Please enjoy the story on me, David. Thank you so much, David, and I will. You know, I'm going to read a little blurb for mine. He says, I love TV sports basketball and wings almost as much as you do, if that's possible. He goes, uh, also, I always agree with your wrestling assessments. <laughs> he says, I hardly race for the win. And so there you go. That just earned my love. <laughs> David Hearn escaped from the Commodore 64 boat. All right, let's have his last one here. All right. Now, this one's a heavy one. This is a heavy Ooh. one. This, you know, we got a, we got a buddy boat. We do. He's a, he's a special man, a big man. He's all man. And his name is Rushi, okay? And Rushi did me a solid. Because it's funny now, but when the uh, 500 Mini came out, we, America wasn't slated to get this sucker. So I said, listen... I need, a, I need a helper to set me up in Europe to get me one of these things sent over, right? Well, guess who volunteered? It's our good buddy, Rushi, who sent us a million things. He's in Germany, American, uh, working in military Germany, and he set us up here and sent us over. Now, he included some extra stuff in here, Bo, oh. uh, to have a go at. So I'm just going to hand you this stuff, and you just tell people what it is. Okay. And I haven't looked at any of this, so this is all brand new. Now, this is nice. Wow, look at that boat. So this is a Zap 64 annual. You know, Rushi sent us these a couple of years ago, yeah. and I still read through this. I've got this in the bookcase in my kitchen, and while Eep is making breakfast, I have a quick peruse through these, and I love them. Yeah. I love them. And this is the Crash uh, Spectrum Annual 2022. Yeah. What do you got? So this that's... is the Zap Annual. So look at that. Okay. That'll be, so that's C64 great. C64 and ZX Spectrum. Thank you. That was awful nice yeah. of him. Now, let me see. He's got one other thing here. Oh, this has got to be for the Brent. Because this, I have to say, <laughs> this is the Philips Video Pack, the Mousing Cat. Oh, my gosh. Which we covered. Oh, my gosh. This is a Brent find. Uh, for the video pack, we covered this on ARG, and this will be, I'll be giving this to Brent. I'm not going to tell him tomorrow. I'm going to blow his mind when I pull this out. Yeah. What a nice thing. Look at these cases, by the way, for this. Uh, and look, and here, it, this opens up like a clamshell. That's or, so cool. And then inside, there's the game, there's the documentation. I always feel like we got screwed when it comes to boxes. Well, like, the boxes co I will say, the, the, the Odyssey, too, is the, the mother of all great boxes. That's true. Well, the but box design, are, but, but I mean, are, like, the clamshell yeah. and everything. Here, well, look at that. That's kind of neat. That's so cool. And then here is the piece de resistance right here. And by the way, Rushi just shipped these over on his dime, so which, I mean, he would not take a cent. And I appreciate that. Here it is, folks. Uh, this is uh, finally a long time coming. This is the Amigos. Finally, we're in, we're in line with every other YouTuber on Earth. We have the E500 Mini here, Bowden. Mm -hmm. Hefty uh, thing. Now, you notice that when I opened that box, there wasn't a glow. My face didn't melt off in any horrible way. <laughs> Are you going to stare at the not, game selection screen for hours? I'm not awestruck <laughs> by its powerful pull, you know? Uh, but it is uh, something that we're definitely going to have a go at. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'll and, and which I'll get into a, a way we're gonna get do it later, but 
this is awful nice. Thank you, Rushi, uh, for shipping us. Rushi yeah, has given you, us Rushi. so much stuff over the years. He is, I mean, he is. We've had so many uh, benefactors over the years in terms of sending yeah. us awesome yeah. things. Yeah. And Rushi is the yeah. king of the benefactors. Ru- yeah, and, and of course, they've all been great. They've and, all been great, yeah. And, and Rushi will be coming back to the States uh, relatively yeah. soon. Uh, so we're looking forward to meeting him when he yeah, gets man. back. But there you I, go. Of course, I met him already. I met him in Ireland. Oh, see, I didn't yeah. get to. So there you go. There's your uh, uh, the immediate. Are these available in the states now? I mean, every YouTuber's got them. But what about the what about everybody else? I think else? you can get them on Amazon. I, I didn't even know. So, but it's still you got the Euro, you got the Peggy on there. That's how you know it's European. Yeah, that's right. That's what we want anyway, because mm-hmm. that's the way we we do it here. That's right. Did I tell you I got hassled on stream that night for calling, for calling it the ZX Spectrum? Yeah, I was thoroughly hassled yeah. about that. Yeah. Boat. Anyway, there you go. Thank you, Rucci. We appreciate that. Very nice. Uh, and David Hearn, uh, also, thank you very much uh, for your lovely gift and the people over at Fujinet. And we'll get back to you on all these items, but we're going to have a lot of That's fun right. playing with these things. That's aren't we? right. All right, Aaron, it's time for our community updates. What's been going on in the old oh, YouTube man. channel? Oh, man, you know we always get up to some trouble, uh, Boaster. So right out of the gate, uh, let's talk about... Uh, a little thing that I like to call Time Patrol. Get on, Time Boat. Patrol. Do you recall what was the feel the day the Time Patrol came into view? <laughs> I couldn't make that work. I tried. <laughs> I tried to make it work, and I, you know where I was going. Yeah. I fell flat. So, Time Patrol, nothing to do at all with Time Pilot, no. except it's exactly the same game. It makes me now confuse <laughs> the names every single time that they come up. We had a good time with this one because we both like Time Pilot. This this game is brutally flawed. Listen to the review. I'll just let the it, let it speak for itself. This game's fun and also troublingly difficult. Yes, uh, as you get into it, but it's classic Coco Baloney mm-hmm. uh, with uh, where they took an arcade game and they they ported it over. Yep, sort of. That's what they did. You know, drop zone. It ain't. Let's no, just put it that no. way. But hey, we had a lot of fun with it, and we both so we, we did. Had, we had a good time with that one. Uh, next on the docket here, uh, Boat, and we might as well talk about it. We sort of mentioned it before. Boat, we couldn't find any footage of Drop Zone, so Boat played it. And so this is a 24-minute game, by the way. You were all man in this well, game. Well, my, my first game was about three minutes long, and then I died so I could get out of this. Because the only way you can escape the black and white on my version was to go it was to die. Yeah. And then I fired up the game of a lifetime, and I made it to, like, wave 10. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. If, you, if you're interested... And what we discussed earlier, and you just want to watch someone sit around and check this out, uh, this is the way to also, do it. Also, you know, I just want to put this out here. If anybody else has experienced this, and let me know that I'm not insane, but like this, you're watching it right now. Until you die the first time on this ADF, it's always black and white. Well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I could pull my notes up, but I'm not. I believe there are things in the cheat menu that will allow you to go enter that weird mode. Mm. So per- perhaps... That yours has the cheat mode automatically Built come in. up. Yeah, so there you go. But anyway, that's the boaster going to work. I enjoyed that, actually, because it helped me understand what I was doing. Uh, last but not least, oh, man, this one is a long time coming. Yeah. And this one, I was in a, uh, quite a mood this day when, <laughs> when we when we filmed this. This is uh, this is Burger Games. Uh, these are games based on a, a hamburger being in the game. What's I, that game? I wish you played that this game. Is, these are basically, this is a little hodgepodge of food-based games, or games based on restaurants. It's Food Fight 3D. So, we, you know, uh, this was suggested by Brent's lovely wife, mm-hmm. Terry. Yes. Who's also a very nice supporter. She's a, a good nice, hand at the old burger time, too. Yeah, well, I'd like to see her efforts at one of the games we chose this week, because the game I picked was Super Burger Time. That's it wasn't super. By, suggested by Happy Coding. This should be great. It, the problem is it's not great. <laughs> it's got great music. The visuals are great. They take it in interesting new ways, and then they suck. Yeah. So, but anyway, try it out if you're uh, glad for punishment. I should have known that since it never made the trip over, that they probably Something didn't do was too wrong. good. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's not released for hardly anything. The Brent went for a whole different direction and picked Sneak King, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, games distributed by Burger King. Yes. I'd actually owned this game, and I'd played it many times. I remember when this was a thing. The King is pretty funny. But I do I'll like be the honest King. With you, I like the King, too. Mm-hmm. He's wacky, and this game does encapsulate and capture what the King is all about. <laughs> Would you good. call this the best licensed game of all time? No. What? <laughs> Let me turn the air up, because clearly you're still in a haze. Now, listen, that's all we've got on our channel. Let's go over to the Amigos Stream Team channel. Listen, we had a lot of people request this, and I put it up. Here it is. In its entirety, Boat, 
It's the BGW, Battleground Wrestling Battle of Midway Mania, mm-hmm. which me and Boat and the Hose did the call on this one. And what a night it was. In fact, we were just talking about There's me and Hose right there, uh, wait, caught all the action with Boat. And we had a, so much fun at this. We can't wait to go back and do it again. That's right. It was really the fulfillment of a lifelong dream in a lot of ways. And I was happy Hose and you were there to do it with me. It was a lot of fun. This is the completely unedited, full version. If you want to know what we did in between the matches, what we talked about, people that just came up to the table and chatted with mm-hmm. us, it's all there. So if you want to watch just basically three hours of wacky antics, there you go. And we're doing it again in July. Yeah, so, so there you go. Yeah. It, so, but that's on the Amigo stream team. Another thing we, should put, we put up here this week, and this, I watched this as a solid goal. It's our good buddy, Jack Flack. And this was Sprite Castle Play C64. Uh, boat. He played a whole bunch of games on this. He just went through and just played loads of different games. He played, I know Cobra was one of the games he played, and some Cobra Light games. Remember the old Sylvester Stallone game mm-hmm. uh, that was, uh, I mean, a movie, which was, of course, no good. He also had bad mouth fruit machines during this. And, and, and <laughs> he didn't like our slot machines in general. He was not a fan. Uh, but if you uh, like Jack Flack's antics, and who doesn't, Boat? I'm his biggest fan. Uh, Please pop one over and check out his stream. It was really good. Uh, these are a lot of fun and also very smooth. He knows what he's doing uh, when he does a stream. Good crowd in there. Uh, I would like to urge, as I do every week, uh, please, if you would, uh, hop over to YouTube and subscribe to the Amigos Stream Team channel. This is where we put all of our streams all the stuff that doesn't quite fit on our regular channel, like pro wrestling, for example, and all, and of course, all you also get all the sprite casts over there, or like a DOS uh, plays that come out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We've got a lot of stuff coming out, including uh, more footage from Amigathon and more footage from uh, Thanks for Giving. There's not a whole lot of Amigathon footage left, but I'm going to release the last hour this week, uh, which is funny. And uh, plenty more where that came from, because we've always got streams that we've never gotten to release. And I'm working on getting the New Year's Eve stream to put up there, which that will be... I don't know about that one, but I'm, I'm working on it. So there you go, Boat. Uh, uh, we've got a lot going on, and we've got more coming in the near future, Boat. All right. Well, speaking of a lot going on, Aaron, last week was the Patreon Song Challenge. Yes. There wasn't a whole lot going on. It was a challenge. To, it was a challenge to set through. I'll tell you that. Holy smoke! So I attempted to perform the Weird Owl classic, "Poka Your Eyes Out." Now tell them what that entailed. So that's about twenty-seven zillion songs sung in a different style than they were originally recorded. Uh, so I was doing a parody of a parody, if you will. Yeah. Um, there was no parody with that parody. There was, was yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I don't blame you for not getting it. I barely got it. Did so, anyone get it? Nobody got it. Of course it. not. I it. told you because it was over. I couldn't tell what had just happened. It was like a <laughs> singing cyclone and went through town. It just leveled a trailer park. Mike, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. So we're going to try it again, Aaron. Oh. We're going to try it again. If you know the answer to this week's, Patreon song challenge. Send me an email. It's not a good sign when you listen. When your voice breaks. We've been talking a long time. Song. And I was talking all day before this at the community band concert. So, um, if you know the answer to this week's Patreon song challenge, please send me an email at johnamigospodcast.com. If you would like to be included in the Patreon song challenge, Patreon.com/slash/amigospodcast. Here we go. Bum face, poo hands, Chris Edwards, Petzl, Alarm, Albert Kim. We like what we like. Mr. Chip, Peter Price, Herman, V. Wander, Lee, Chess, Mark, Richardson, David Hearn, Ram O'Kay, David Terrace, Drew Carlos, Matthew Mobius, The Phantom Magnus, F. Yates, Alistair Fiend, David Z, George Rosansky, the Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Family King, Crazy Loomis, William Venterscow, Heavy Systems, Bundy Frag, Blow My Violin, Olaf Hope, Alien Breeder, Dave Velociraptor, Calvert Boy, Lane Denson, Daniel Williams, Luke Hudson, Bomb the Bass, Frodo and Solon, Size of Tech Mage, 
Young and Mr. Cola, <laughs> Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zoglub Reflection, Simon Lich, Captain Crispy, Killer Bots, and Caffeine, Gary Heather, Free Lunch K Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster Terminator. Timid and Amiga Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drews Joseph, Harrison Coletta, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Lara Moore, Andy Craig, Sean Zobark, Roland Burke, Andrew Monk, Joe the Zombie, Leaf Kellan, Alan Kebab, Chekote Level, Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Rick and Rosa, Creepy Dead Boy, Figure CDZ, The Slow Norris, Stefan Sorgarden, Martin Sen, yeah, Evan Helen, right. Christopher Hassel, Chris Folds, Laurent Giroux, Graham Vebke, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hucker, Paul Bossman, Harrington, Duncan Stiles, Saved from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Daniel Bigson, Brutal Barracuda, <laughs> Darren Coles, Jason Warren, Pixels of Dawn, and, and Kill Bjorn Barman. You know, I knew I was waiting for the fast forward button to get hit, and and then it went on another minute. Wait, <laughs> my God! Listen, I even got that one, both. Well, good, good, good. We'll see who's first like out getting, of the gate. It's, yeah, it's like getting a social disease when you pick these things up. <laughs> All right, and of course, we want to thank our fabulous, marvelous, marvelous, fabulous uh, Twitch subscribers. We do record this show live every Friday on twitch.tv slash Amigos Podcast. No, it's Amigos Retro Gaming. Let's try that again. Twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Amigos something. Um, and uh, of course, sometimes we don't, like today's Saturday. But if you follow us, you get a, one of those bell dingers, you know what's up. Jigglebox, Mash Pie, Wide World of Retro, HSEI Ken, Blue Jellyfish, Eeyore 4077, Barkbit, Real Retro Dude, Mitsuyama, Negsol, Frodo and L, Grizzla, Still Adolescing, Da, Crabs MPG, Blue Train, Amigos Retro Gaming, John Marshall 3, Scumboy, RetroRewind.ca, Christian Russell, The Mr. Chip, Pishbot, Uber Scooper Diver, Paco Take, Beach Bum 7, Am I Step, Monza Mess, Oil of Hope, Darkwing 602, Lumen 808, Canadian Retro Things, Brock 101, Gustavo Hits, Twilight Zoner, Anthony Roberts, Orom, Steve Burtz, Grepwald, Rushi MSX, Back to 8-Bit with Hermski, Buck Owens, and Amiga Live. Man. Thank you all so much for subscribing to us on Twitch and being radical. We're going to need a separate show where you just read off names. I should. I, I should. love it. Thank you, everybody. Gosh, that makes me feel real good, Boat. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm stunned, too. <laughs> That's awesome. It makes me feel surprised. Well, Aaron, I'm ready, for, I'm ready for another surprise. What are we going to play next week? Well, let's find out, Boat. Survey says... Oh, glorious stunt car racer. Stunt car racer. It must be time racer. for one of our retro reviews. That's right. Things. A second look. That's a it. A second look. I was working on it. So, yeah, we covered a, a stunt car racer many, many years ago. And you, uh, you this, I'm so happy this came back around because if you'll recall, the whole time leading up to that show, you thought it was working fine and it was a glitchy disaster right, on your show. Because right. we didn't have any good emulation back That's then. That's right. So now we'll be able to really. I go in depth and I uh, have a good playthrough now that we have. Of course, we might want to even fire that up on the old Mega Mini. That's bam. That's what I was going to mention. It's on there. Now, you know, let's think about this for a minute. We must have done this one real early in the show. Do you remember oh, yeah. the number on that? I don't. Because if you think about it, think about how far we've come since then. We couldn't do anything. Right. We couldn't emulate. The machines wouldn't do anything. We couldn't get them to show up on the stream, on TV. I mean, we couldn't emulate that for you. That didn't look like garbage. That's right. It That's was right. a disaster. Episode 26, Aaron. Go. So this Episode is, this would 26. Be our halfway through our first year. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Unbelievable. smokes. Unbelievable. We've done a lot of shows, folks. We have. My God. But that's that's crazy that we've been along around so long that we can trace our roots back to when we were too stupid to emulate the system. Yes. <laughs> Amigos. <laughs> all right. So thank you guys as always for listening. Thank you to all of you who have joined us in the chat. We will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.